Space Corps Directive 5011708109 says all dwarfers must listen to Dwarfcast. Uh, uh, Mr. Rimmer, sir, I think you'll find... Shut up, Crichton, I'm right. Hello and welcome to the Ganymede and Titan Dwarfcast commentary for Series 7, Episode 7 and 8, Epideme and Anarchy. Uh, yes, continuing our theme from the people who brought you the Back in the Red trilogy and the Pete two-parter, it's me, Ian Symes and Danny Stevenson Hello. here to talk you through the shit bits so that the others don't have to watch them. Uh, we're also joined in the room by Tom Pyatt. Hello. And Joe Sharples of the official Red Dwarf fan club. Hello. But they're not really paying attention because they don't like Series 7, so they might not talk very much, but we just thought we'd better mention them in case they do, and you'd think, what's that? That's weird. Anyway, first of all, uh, please queue up Epideme on your DVD or Netflix or whatever you use to watch it with these days, with your iPads and your whatnot, and uh, press play at the end of these beeps, pips. There ain't no place in the whole of cyberspace. www.ganymede.tv So, Epideme, of course, is the 48th best episode of Red Dwarf, or, to put it another way, the 14th worst, or something. <laughs> it's towards the bottom. Yeah. Uh, in terms of series... Seven, it's about halfway, it's fifth out of eight, but it is the best of the episodes that don't have Chris Barry in them, according to the Silver Survey. Um, so that's fair. I, th- I, I can. I read through the. Uh, uh, after sort of having like a concise guide, like a, g- a concise thing of the plot, it's actually quite an intense, quite a, quite an involved plot. It just kind of feels. Yeah. It doesn't feel as involved when you kind of watch it, but. A lot of the plot elements just seem to happen really quickly and sort of pass me by. Yeah. And I try and and, this, and again, the thing is, all this stuff just seems to be compressed towards the back end of the episode again. Like, yeah. all, the, all the stuff happens in the middle and, and then it really all these kind of events happen at the end and it feels really like you kind of get in like one yeah. fight and then you, it doesn't have the effect that it probably ought to. <coughs> due to over, <laughs> over stretching the script at the beginning. Long, long jokes. Yeah, it to me, I've always been kind of down on Epidemia and Anarchy as sort of even in terms of series seven. I think it's just because if you were to watch it in order, which I did a lot, mm. you'd get exhausted by this point. Yeah, and it just like yeah, I've not watched. Yeah, there's too much Red Dwarf in this series. There's six <laughs> six episodes is about all you need. You really. had your fill, yeah. and then you're like, oh no, and there's more. And it's just not very good yeah. <laughs> because you're now balls deep in a rimless situation so you're saying <laughs> which you epi- don't want to be in so Epidemia and Anarchy are your crap dessert of a red <laughs> your <laughs> unwanted dessert a wafer thin pile of shit <laughs> well it's not it's not completely shit I think my thing with Red Dwarf is I very rarely watch it out of sequence and out of order yeah so I always like, like I say these are always towards the end of a run but Looking at them in isolation, they're no worse than many other episodes in the no. series. I can I can think of worse ones. Yeah, Duck Soup, for instance. Mm-hmm. Awful. 
But this is empty. It's a different kind of awful. It's just, there's these really long dialogue sequences, such as this one, which has been the duration of the episode so far. It just seems that without Rimmer there, there's no real point to... <laughs> to it's it's no not ribbing. like... Yeah, because there's that five episodes in a row uh, with either no Rimmer or barely any Rimmer. Uh, there's no foil. There's no yeah. There's no antagonist yeah. in the conversation, and which is why you get Crichton's character changing a little bit to provide that, but it doesn't feel real. Yeah. So even if, because like within any series of Red Dwarf's episodes that aren't really about Rimmer or that don't have much Rimmer in them, yeah. but he's always there, and so though the dialogue sequences that link the plot together are just a bit rubbish without him really. This is a good um, a good set. Though. Is it? This is this is a location shot, isn't it? This is. I think, isn't it? Sunbury Pump House, but with frosting on. Possibly. Phone in if it's not. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah, somewhere it's like that, anyway. It's a, definitely a location. I remember. It, yeah. A cold one. It's good though. Look, it's really it really sells it. I think it's, yeah. it's a really good set. It's a really uh, well made. It does look very nice. Yeah. I think it's would perhaps look better in glorious interlaced video. But for what it's trying to do, it succeeds. And I think that's true of a lot of series seven. Yeah. <laughs> if you if you look at it as a drama with comedy in it rather than as a comedy. Yeah, with some drama. Yeah, then it succeeds. Yeah. Like I said, this episode's got some quite quite <clears throat> dramatic elements in it. Parts, but they could, I don't know why they, they sort of fall flat as, as much as I, I think they do. They just like towards the end, oh, well, we'll get to it in the end, <laughs> we'll point them out when we get there. At least there is something proper going on at this stage of this episode, whereas yeah. in sort of Duck Soup and uh, Beyond a Joke, which we've covered in Dwarf Casts in recent years. Well, yeah, apart from Duck Soup, which, Duck Soup which we definitely, <laughs> definitely <laughs> didn't. <laughs> Yeah, we tried covering that and it didn't work because we forgot to put the subtitles on and we didn't know what was happening. <laughs> but anyway, I've watched them recently and at this stage nothing is happening. It's just filler. Or something about going for a curry in in Jane Austen world or whatever it is. Hmm. Whereas they're going off and exploring and finding interesting things and there's something to keep the episode going that gives it a bit of momentum. It's not very funny. English beer is hot with croutons. <laughs> What's Crichton doing? I'm not <laughs> quite sure. He looks a bit shifty. <laughs> He's going to give someone a creepy hug. I often find with series seven episodes as well that I, when I watch them, for dwarf cast purposes, which is usually when I would watch them, 
unlike other earlier series, I do have to kind of pay attention to what's going on because it's not quite as wedged in my head as no. series one to six are. I was like, oh yeah, that's the order that this happens. And again, it looks very nice. The scenes, the POV shots in Starbuck mid section. Yeah, the um, the and this is the head by coming back to mm. try again with a different style rather than just be awesome, you know, basic sitcom is kind of yeah bits that bits that are set around kind of on board Starbuck, like outside of the cockpit. Things in the bunk rooms and the midsection of the galleys and whatnot. For some reason, remind me of the detectives. In terms of you've got that filmic look, mm. and it's all single camera, and it's like a, it's kind of a weird domestic environment, even though the locations look yeah. non-domestic. He shoots it in the same way. And here's Lister getting sexually assaulted. Even if he doesn't realise. Now I've always got confused. Is the actor who's playing uh, Caroline Carmen is Nicky Leatherbarrow? Leatherbarrow. Is that a boy Nicky or a girl Nicky? How do you mean? <laughs> is it? Is the actor male or female? It's an actress. Is it? Yeah, yeah I think so. It always seemed ambiguous to me because Nicky. No, she's a. I think she's. A, I think she's a model. Isn't she? What is your model? Spark plugs. <laughs> I happen to think she's very. <laughs> Quite being unreasonable. Why? Why are the pillows there? <laughs> <laughs> I want you to think someone else is there all the time. It's all gone handheld and... Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, it might be a space issue, though, because I don't think you can get uh, people... The squeaky oh, dear. <laughs> yeah. It's a shame, because up until that point, Robert was playing the physical stuff of running around the bunk room really well. And then he goes and spoils it all by squealing something stupid. And it's soon Kachansky's turn to be sexually assaulted. Oh, yeah. Uh, just looking at the. Uh, <coughs> on Toss. Oh, yeah, was she on the documentary? Yeah, she's on the documentary. She's on the documentary, yeah, I should have remembered that. Never That's mind. Right. It's alright, the documentary is only the second best extra on the Series 7 DVD behind the fan films. <laughs> Punch him in the face. It's the only language he understands. It's a good punch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's either dead or lost in space. And nobody seems to care. <laughs> no one minds either way. Mm. 
It's a shame that the costume on the arms bunches up to make it clear that it's. Wasn't she meant to? I thought she was wearing a jumpsuit though. I don't know, it's never been clear whether that's supposed to be a skin. I thought it was, I thought oh. it was a jumpsuit. Oh, I'm like, just getting this episode like a, wrong. <laughs> I, thought it was like I don't watch like it very often. Like a flight suit, but it's yeah, just all it decayed. Like and, whole, yeah, all in one thing. There you go, I don't, I don't have to be worried about it anymore, it doesn't bother you. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> this episode's getting better and better. <laughs> And Crichton did a face. <laughs> Why does the blanket have the show's logo on it instead of the ship's uh, logo? Well, I always yeah. It's all right. They do they do it in series eight as well. They have like the red dwarf pattern, like badge on badges. the yeah. And I always wonder would like. If they've done that for that ship, does that mean they've bothered to do that for every ship they've ever made and have a special <laughs> yeah. logo made? Like Blue Midget should have a special logo, Starbucks yeah. have its own logo. It's just like, could be another way for JMC to just spend a ridiculous amount of money for no reason. <laughs> in Series 3, there was that weird variant of the logo that was used on one uh, of Lister's jackets. And on the curry the powder. And and the, chili powder. Yeah, oh, chili powder. It's kind of like a ship's issue version of the logo. Mm. Which this is not. This is never <laughs> a different thing altogether. <coughs> yeah, I think it's just like oh, we didn't have Tan Hill and one of those something else. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's it's another thing. It looks really clean and it's like it's. Well, Crichton. Yeah. They keep it freshly laundered. Oh, that's sure. true. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't I might be wrong on this because <laughs> I've been wrong consistently throughout this. Topic. <laughs> But I think... So just say no in advance. You know the zebra print jacket that Cat is currently wearing? Yeah. The famous zebra print one? Yeah. Is this... He wears this in, like, five consecutive episodes, I think. Mm -hmm. Because he's wearing it again in Nanaki, yeah. I think, which I'll check when it now comes on. And then that's what he's wearing uh, when Starbug crashes him back in the red. Yeah. And so from then on, throughout Series 8, every time you see him in anything other than his prison outfit, and when he's dancing for Blue Midget Woman, uh, that that's the suit he uses, he wears. So he goes for ages with just the same suit. Like he's got the one coat left. Yeah, and it's always bugged me, because he would never allow that to happen. No, I think out of, out of choice, like out of lack of choice. He'd sooner kill himself. Now. Now, here he is. <laughs> now, what's your issue with Gary Mark? <laughs> I like Gary Martin. No, I, I like Gary Martin. Maybe not like the character of Epidine too much, but the yeah. The... I think he's probably fitting the brief that he's been given, but it's ridiculous. But is it any sort of any weirder than say like confidence or? Well, confidence was balanced out by paranoia, and I think maybe I'd have preferred Epidine to be a sort of more sinister. Sort of really underplayed. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't come across as menacing too much. Uh, yeah, I think that maybe that's my issue with it is that <clears> it's a bit of a wasted opportunity to do something a bit more dark. A bit darker. Yeah. 
But for what it is, it's towards the end he does get a bit. I suppose I would call it a bit Audrey, like Hepburn. No, Audrey too. Audrey from, Roberts. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just okay. <laughs> uh, little shop horrors and just go a little bit like creepy towards the end. Yeah, but maybe a little too little too late maybe. But it's still painted in broad strokes. I do like that. I do like the the bipolarity of him though. That's the he doesn't show mm. enough. I don't think maybe that's the problem. He just doesn't show the the the, the spectrum. But um, yeah, maybe he should be all over the place. Yeah, and, uh, like a bit un, like a bit unhinged that yeah. way. Like yeah, like that. <laughs> oh, I remember Gary Martin from Zordrak from the Dreamstone. No, I remember him fondly. <laughs> That reminds me a bit like Beetlejuice. Yeah. It does that bit at the end. Right? Yeah. Join uh, the dog. <laughs> <laughs> the, that prop there, the yeah. communicator, uh, the Epidem communicator. Yeah. Am I, <laughs> am I remembering this story correctly? That was brought uh, by someone that we know. Yeah. Carl mm-hmm. Eisenhower. Yeah. Friend of the website, I believe, is his official <laughs> Academy and Titan title. <laughs> Um, and it was supposed to light up and it didn't but he bought it was like bought a scene he, and, got, got, he bought it at an auction at he bought it at an auction yeah. uh, and then he thought oh I'll try and repair it repair the lights and whatever and he dismantled it and he couldn't figure it out and so he left it kind of dismantled and mm. was planning to get someone to come and fix it put yeah. it back together whatever and then one day, uh, his mum was doing a clear out and <laughs> she thought it was all garbage and she chucked it in the bin. <sighs> I remember wanting that at the time as well. I remember the auction oh. and I was really, really, really wanting that. So that's what happened to that prop. <laughs> so that prop, Thanks, technically Carl. speaking, has <laughs> broken. It's gone. This is a bit weird as well because this is only shown. This would have been better with some sort of graphic. Um, yeah. At least interstitial, just in, at least inter, inter, intercut. It just feels like it's, 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 it does kind of work. And this is a good practical effect, though. This is brilliant. Although it goes on too long, against the whole thing of doing it too much. Oh, I kind of like that about it. Really? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think the timing's good on this. I suppose it speeds up as well. It gets like a um, not have a pincello. There's a scene where they're trying to. Oh, it's like an I Love Lucy with the pills on her mm. on the line and the start it just gets too much to start eating them. <laughs> and it just gets a bit too quick right <laughs> <laughs> being pissed off at the Horrible end and just chucking the last bit <laughs> the sound effect does add it though it does add something it's all harmless fun it's <laughs> 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 worth it's Worse than he thinks, not only has he lost his arm, but he's also just underneath his um, his smock, he's got some sort of growth that's leaping about every time he tries to articulate. <laughs> you can really see his hand moving underneath his top. Oh, yeah. <laughs> every time he's expressing himself, he can't help but move his hand, even though it's supposed to be hidden. But if it was under the bed, then you wouldn't see it at all. And now what follows is a touching treatment into what it's like to live with a disability and the effect that it can have on people's lives. 
Oh no, it's just loads of bollocks. I wonder how much of this decision was to sort of allude to the future echoes thing of having. Yeah. And I wonder how much of that was actually conscious or whether it was just. I remember thinking about it at the time because mm. obviously. Oh, this is how it happens. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the. Is it the, the right fact hand that? As well? Yeah. I think it is. I think it, it is. Yeah. 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 Uh, obviously, the fact that it wasn't resolved by the end of this episode, and it was. Yeah. Like so, what I remember watching it the first time, assuming that everything would be. Stitch did not know that it was a kind of half semi two parter and so we had that week to then think about it and then everyone sort of realised oh yeah the future echoes I remember being really weirded out by the fact that they continued it on and when you get to Nanaki you're like oh mm. shit they're, 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 they're <laughs> going with this this is going to be forever now yeah. this is what they're going to do Judy come lately Johnny come lately, but the female version. Ah, right. I've never got that joke. <laughs> it's not. A very I've heard jokey come lately. Monarchs. That's what I've always heard. And I, was like, I don't understand what the word is. <laughs> that joke would work in Arrested Development. <laughs> I'm a monster. He's <laughs> going to be all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's lost his left hand, so he's going to be all right. That's <coughs> what I mean. So this go, this all goes quite a bit. Yeah, his okay. little showdown with Ephedim. Yeah, and then there's another one, up. and there's a, there's a, then there's the the plot twist, and then there's the thing. It, all, it doesn't feel as it doesn't feel as important. Yeah, I can't, as I can't remember what happens. I'll have to, I, 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 I don't know whether to tell you now. Or wait, to see, <laughs> no, wait, see if it comes flooding back to me. I'll know it when it happens. Very wobbly done. That's a good joke. That is quite a good joke. Let him have that one. <laughs> Don't mention Christmas specials. Guess <laughs> that you, but it's not you. <laughs> I think Craig would play that scene better nowadays. I think he's a better actor now than he <coughs> yeah. was then. Oh, I didn't realise that at that point they'd established that Grim Reaper is a real person in the Red Dwarf universe. <laughs> With a notorious passport photo. <laughs> He's got no nipples, though. <laughs> the um, Log 1996 book, it came out probably about a year before this episode was written 
contained Lister's poetry to Kachansky, which oh, yeah. included the words under Pensky. And the log was written by Paul Alexander, who co-wrote this episode. Oh. So he had that one up his sleeve. Yes. He had underpants <laughs> up his sleeve. Is <laughs> <laughs> it going to be of a recycle? That was less than four minutes between him saying, I'm setting the timer for five minutes and a minute left. So, I've lost all faith in this episode. <laughs> Dramatic license of some description. He does sound a bit like confidence, actually. Now you mention it. Mm. Only if he was given that as a well, maybe not, but just say, oh, we've got you know. Maybe maybe did a bit of research and looked into other people. Well, look, it's some pixels. Hmm. Very fastly moving atmosphere around the planet. Yeah, and a really horrible, blurry starboard movement. There's Perth. Again, yeah, I think I dump everything that I dislike about Series 7 on these couple of episodes, really. It just seems like... <clears throat> no, it would make sense that these two would have less... probably time spent on the special effects. It seems that they deteriorate like the quality of the CG deteriorates over the series as well mm. because they did, Chris Beale did have so little time and so little resources mm. it seems like by this stage it's just he had no choice but to just go with the first thing I'll just create one thing because obviously compositing was easy yeah. so you don't have to worry about how shots have to be done in one take you can put things on top of things It's interesting that they get the information to boost up Starbuck in this. Because mm. in the following episode, it's obviously they... Look at the speed it's going. Look how quick he's going. <laughs> it's God, the, the frame rate is so poor. <laughs> it's, it's, there is no motion blur, that's the problem. Yeah. There's no motion blur. It's just... So you can just virtually see three or four Starbucks on yeah. screen at a time. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, look how fast Starbucks going, because in the next episode they travel back to the site of Back to Reality. So, because they're going at three times the speed, it should only take them a third of the time to get there. That was weird, they just need a tiny little bit of model shot. Yeah, a tiny, bit of tiny little Starbuck. bit of model Have shot. Look at what you could have won. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the twist. Epidemic was just taking the piss the whole time. Yeah. Kachansky has an idea. <laughs> Ding. God, we're right at the end of the episode already. It's flown by, to be fair to it. It's hard to do um, varied shots when that is one kind I think of that they've admitted that, though, haven't they? They've yeah. admitted that that was the problem, was it's very static. Yeah. Um, that the idea doesn't already have it. it like it's, it's not like it was like a 3D I assume they would do it now they'd do it like a 3D pulsing sort of yeah. bacterium but because obviously you know they couldn't do 
that kind of really involved 3D work very much. Yeah, and they couldn't track, like the motion <coughs> tracking on it would be too yeah. difficult to move the camera and keep the overlay in perspective in those days. Yeah. It would have been too difficult. She doesn't actually need to do this. No. That bit. Just, 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 just drop let it. it die. For the dramatic effect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let it die. She wanted to make the cat faint. Yeah. And a shot that was used in the titles. And I've seen thousands and thousands of times. No. No, I just decided I wanted to ruin my only jacket. <laughs> That's true, actually. <laughs> <laughs> because one of them got shrunk in the wash. <laughs> and so she's just destroyed one of the sleeves. <laughs> <It's just laughs> Good work by Danny. Well, your brain's been started, starved of oxygen for the last minute, so you're probably irreparably brain damaged. <laughs> <laughs> Which might explain Series 8. <laughs> but you got better. <coughs> I got better. <laughs> Not bad punchline. Yeah. And then, ba-bam, to be continued. Was it shown to be continued on the broadcast? Though? Yeah, it? it is as broadcast. That was Epidine. That wasn't as bad as... It, it, I haven't watched Series 7 in ages, and it's it's always used to, like, I don't want to be disappointed, but that episode isn't as bad as I remember it being. It's weird. No, it's, it's all right. At least with this, that the plot is interesting. Yeah. And so that makes up for the fact that it's not as funny as you'd expect from Red Dwarf. But it has some, it doesn't like, have the, whole... the same characterisation that makes Red Dwarf what it is. But, but at least it's got, yeah. it's got something to pique your interest. But it's got the same problems that most Series 7 stuff has, which is overuse of jokes, lagging onto the thing, you know. Yeah. Too, much, too much talking, not enough story. <laughs> too much talking. Too much talking. Just do things. Really. Well, speaking of too much talking, do you want to uh, talk for another half hour about the next episode? <laughs> yeah, why not? Fuck it. So if you want to listen to us doing that, then uh, wait for this sting and then line yourself up with Nanaki, episode 8 of Series 7. Line that up after the next set of beeps. Pips. Pips. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. The only time Crichton ever addresses. Well, or any or any character. Oh yeah, addresses the audience. As 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 an audience. Outside of smeg ups and smeg outs and oh yeah stuff like that, but in an actual episode. Canon. Previously, Lister had been talking to a sentient video camera instead, which at the time seemed ridiculous. But you get smart TVs now. Yeah. You get Siri. Okay, good. Some sort of, yeah. That was a dangerous game. <laughs> All of our phones could have just made a noise. And again, prior to this 
uh, to series seven, you could. There's only a couple of occasions that I can think of where the episode didn't open with the opening titles. I can think of uh, Parallel Universe uh, and Backwards. Yeah, and then series seven pretty much did it. And in series seven, most episodes. Uh, you had the first two both had pre-title sequences the next two both had cut down titles yeah. just a card or just a robbery's case nothing yeah. and then you had three normal ones in a row and then a pre-titles again really messing with the format yeah almost experimentally oh yeah if they, they messed with the entire format of how it was shot and mm. everything else about this everything series very trying lots of different things well and then being you know mid very levels of success yeah yeah I quite like the the titles format and stuff changing, I think that's fine by me. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice having cold openings since I was a bit it's a bit refreshing. Especially in this weather. James Hendry's sole credit on Red Dwarf. Mm-hmm. No idea who he is. There's been no dialogue yet. <laughs> Crichton's face is quite good. I was uh, distracted by the cold opening and I forgot to point out <laughs> that um, Nanaki is number 56 of 61 in the uh, Silver Survey. It is the worst episode of Series 7, according to that, which I disagree with. I don't think it's the worst one because it's no, so there's I think there are worse. Down, really. it's, it's, it's got a very interesting uh, middle section. Mm. And it's got actually one of the, I genuinely think he's one of the funniest jokes in, in series seven, which involves the sweet. Mm. I think that's really funny. <laughs> just I like it because it's just so ridiculous. But yeah, I think the thing that lets Nanaki down is that a lot of it is so slow. It's like you say, there are interesting things in it, <clears throat> but it's going to be absolutely ages before we get to them. There's all this stuff at the start. This big long the conversation. Thing about one arm bandit anyway. Yeah, yeah just, it just goes on. It takes ages and it's not worth it. It doesn't do anything to advance. I suppose the purpose of it being there is to show the impact of Lister losing his arm and to try and depict how bleak and miserable he is about it. Yeah. But it's done in a way that makes us miserable as well. Because <laughs> it goes on and on for ages and there's no real reward. It's not that funny. Yeah, it's just, yeah. And it doesn't really sound like these characters talking, it just sounds like generic, snappy dialogue. It feels like sketch dialogue. No one's behaving as their characters, they're just having a chat. Yeah, this is just generic dialogue, you could fit anywhere yeah. with anyone. Other than the fact that it's the cat saying the stupidest things, but then... <laughs> It's hardly on the level of cat stealing scenes with one liners that Red Dwarf's hit. That's kind of it's kind of his thing. Yeah. <laughs> you should uh, use uh, zip for his flies rather than buttons because you can easily open those with one hand. 
Come to think of it, you can open button flows with one hand quite easily as well. He's just moaning. Just like most disabled people, he's just lazy, really. He should work harder. I think they should take his £30 a week benefit away from him. Yeah. That's not doing uh, If we um, release <laughs> this in the future, that was topical when we recorded this. Topical. Though it probably still will be. Yeah. As long as it's in the next four years and the Tories are still in charge. In which case, I probably will be here. <laughs> we'll all be dead. It's not though, because if you put the cup down on the table, that's, that's the. I think that's the point. The list has been that pathetic about it. That, but oh. he can't drink that tea by himself either because he's holding the that's saucer. Like, yeah, I think it's a combination. Well, the intention is is that it's a combination of Lister feeling too sorry for himself and that Crane he thinks he, yeah he thinks he can't do anything at all plus Crichton sort of semi-deliberately smothering him enabling so that, him yeah, yeah so that he can be a mum figure yeah I always say that way that he's just basically just been he's just yeah he's just been pathetic it's just like come on <laughs> <laughs> he can do those yeah, things yeah he just doesn't he's just yeah feeling sorry for himself He says he does go off on straps quite a lot. I do this crap off. <laughs> Commentating on doors closing. Yeah, I do. Florence <laughs> well, Nightingale droid has been used to describe quite on several occasions. Two. That's Justice is the only I can think of. Yeah. But it was a compliment when it was in Justice. You've been like yeah, Florence yeah. Nightingale droid. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, she's a bitch. Only use. Oh no, it's used twice in this episode. Bitch. What? Yeah. I don't think it's ever been used in. Oh, real ugly son of a bitch. Yeah. Uh, Cat uses it in only the good. When he's trying to get beaten up by that man. But it's the first time it's been used. It's the first Tough time. Tafla. Tafla. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> God, are we never. This dwarf cast is littered with reminders of shit voiceovers from Red Dwarf history. <laughs> oh, Gary Bond. Tafla. Tafla. She thinks he's talking about his ass, but he's talking about crumbs. Spoilers. It's prime example of a joke that would have been fine if it wasn't been then explained. Yeah. It's just like wipe duty is a funny concept in itself and leave it into the minds of the And then later on you see Crank doing it and then she gets it, but to explain it, the thing you don't have to say it, show it. It just said bitch. This is bitch central. Son of a bitch. Oh, he's done three times then. (laughs) Bitch, 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 bitch. Uh, this is not the first time that two characters have been seen playing drafts. There's Rimmer and El Scotto in Queen. Oh, I thought you were in Can Lister. <laughs> They've moved on from uh, Scrabble. Yes. If they were previously playing together. Maybe because that was back on Red Dwarf and now they're on Starbug, they don't have it. 
Not even the Maybe Cat was asked to bring the Scrabble and he thought he brought both the Scrabble and the Travel Scrabble. The Travel Scrabble for when they were travelling and the Scrabble for when they got there. But then he remembered he forgot them both. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. That must have been what happened. That's exactly what happened. <coughs> Stop talking. Danny, your cat has been talking for ages. I was going to blame Danny John Charles for it then, but it's not his fault. <laughs> He's only doing what's in the script. He's not just gone rogue and this was the only take. Unless. Oh, no. Hollow ship. Oh, sirens. Yep, model shot that's been recycled a hell of a lot of times. Ah. <laughs> ah, this is the thing with the big pink fist. <laughs> Mr. Blobby Hand. <laughs> and again, this goes on for ages. There's funny bits in this. Scene. Yeah, there are some really funny bits. It's, it's good, good, um, good slapstick from Crichton. I do, I, I do genuinely think that when he actually gets to pick up the ball, it's the cutest movement ever. It's just like up. It's just like this little, little shift on the ball. And it's like a little movement back as well. <laughs> It's amazing how much in the last <coughs> 19 to 20 years since this was made that actual um, uh, artificial... Bionic prosthetics. Yeah, bionics have actually moved on to such a point where this now is like... Absolutely. Yeah. If, not, if not much, much, much... Much better than this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It now seems unrealistic that they will only be at this level. This is level. now an outdated concept. Yeah. <laughs> it's just quite You could weird. probably already pick up a ball. There we go. Uh, oh. You'll <laughs> <laughs> get better. Fastest Craig Charles has ever spoken. Yeah. Who do you want to Yeah, there's more Do you really want to remind people that Rimmer isn't there? <laughs> Just saying. It's an incredible stance. It's <laughs> prepping for that. <laughs> Is Robert Lennon does get being punched in the face. He does do it quite well. <laughs> he's really he's reacting, is it? It's like Hugh Laurie. Like uh, reacting yeah. is better than the action. If that's the, if you flail about like a. <laughs> well, it's that that sells it. Yeah. The onus is on the receiver to sell a stage punch. Oh, it's as important, if not more. <laughs> <laughs> No I'm never really concentrated on Robert when that happens. It's <laughs> genuinely amazing. <laughs> Try to think. <laughs> There's possibly a point to be made there about how um, rape culture in society makes it like that men don't have a choice over what their 
arms and limbs do when surrounded by attractive women and so it's not their fault but that would literally be the case with a robot arm spaghetti is probably the worst thing to eat with only one arm as well you should just have chicken nuggets and chips Also, he hates spaghetti. What's he doing eating spaghetti? Well, it's Kachansky there. Oh, I wasn't paying attention to that bit. Trying to, uh, well, I don't know. I just assumed it was, you know, trying to. Hasn't really got choice in the matter. I like that joke. Let me think of a cogent paradigm. I'd rather have a good example. <laughs> I assumed that uh, this was all bollocks. When I first watched this, at the age age of ten, that yeah, I assumed that that was part of like some sort of futuristic thing that yeah, atoms can be rearranged to make a thing. Well, you've now got you know, there's fucking hell, starting to do things with um, graphite, Mm. which is as strong as concrete and is light and heat proof and. And it's just carbon atoms arranged in a specific way, and now it's the strongest material we can have, and it can do. It's like it's conductive, and it can be made into screens, and it's just when this thing gets made into a proper element, it's going to be unbelievable. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's just not. Nano technology became a buzzword sort of a few years after this. Yeah, really, it was slightly ahead of the curve. Oh, graph graphene, graphene. That's the stuff. Some sort of graph. And yeah, here's Starbuck travelling at normal speed. Ah, oh, they're just they're just coasting, mate. But they're getting they know to get there real quick. Awful. Why don't mm-hmm. you travel in a straight line? You keep getting lost. This is all awful. They <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they come in their special suits that they never had to wear wear before or since to go into stasis. No, they swear them specifically to come out of stasis. <laughs> <laughs> they get changed while they're in there. <laughs> I can't remember whether at the time I knew that Red Dwarf was going to be found in this episode, whether they kept it back as a surprise, like Norman Lovett's return. Was that a surprise? Was that advertised? SARS. <laughs> I'm not sure I quite understand still what has happened here. <clears throat> the nanobots. Well, why they turned Red Dwarf into a planet? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> they went mental. <laughs> Is all I can think. I don't know. Yeah, never explain. Does it never explain why they do it? This is how much we don't know about this episode. <laughs> we're not really paying attention to there's any plot involved. Yeah, we're bollocking people not have enough plot. And we're not really concentrating. Well, they might well explain it, but because they spent fifteen minutes bollocking on about nothing, they always tune out by the time we get there. But still, this episode isn't, isn't like out and out bad. I think from this point <laughs> on, it gets a lot better now that they've started to actually do something proactive rather than sitting around talking for the first 15 minutes or so. Kinky. Mm. 
old Castle Thunder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ubiquitous sound effect. In the, oh, good. the buggy that from the outside looks like it's from Jurassic Park. <laughs> That's a really long sentence. <laughs> That's a really long so sentence. Protracted. And how does Cat know about the national grid? <laughs> how do you know about the Olympics? <laughs> how do you know about the old girl Latin swimming finals? Uh, I might find out yeah. about that. That's true. I think you'd be less interested in the national grid. <laughs> It's good that they label the jokes when they turn up. It's <laughs> <laughs> It'll be good if there was some sort of on-screen <laughs> so little asterisk in the corner that there's a joke coming up. Like when they have their signing in the corner. It's <laughs> just a man going, joke! <laughs> <laughs> Laugh now. <laughs> just like rubbing his belly. <laughs> could be in Hungary, in the wrong hands. <laughs> it kills me dope off. <laughs> ah, let's go straight to water, actually. I could easily open a boiled sweet with one hand. Yeah, really because easy. Because they... Yeah. Oh, that... Oh. Uh, drivers eat boiled sweets. That's the point. Uh, and they often... Well, legally, you should have both hands on the steering wheel at all times when you're in command of a car. Apart from when you're changing gear and shit. <sighs> Got <laughs> <laughs> It's a big hairy mole. <laughs> yes, you see it flying back over his shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> they shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have shown it come back in. They should have just shown it there. And a bit of one on the other side. Yeah. It's weird. The there, there, there isn't a relationship. Yeah, as yeah, he had a relationship with someone who looked like Claire Grogan. Well, not even that. It's even even if this, you know, that is if that is the Kachansky, that is thing. They're not the same one. <laughs> yeah, it's not the same Lister for her. It's not the same Kachansky for him. But apparently, they do get together at some point between series eight and nine. That was a good joke. That they was just. No, he was too Kachansky had a joke. And <laughs> a good one. ADR. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. <laughs> Wasn't even looking. <laughs> looking away. Gone by the. Crank waiting for his cue there. <coughs> Where's well, Lister helping to carry the lazy git? Well, he's got the arms, right? Like. 
<laughs> None of us for a treaty. Oh yeah, that's it. They leave the stuff that they can't be asked, but it's the fact that paper with something written on it is less valuable than something without yeah. something written on it. It's a good job. Oh, there he is. There he is. Projected onto a still of Craig's hand. Very zoomed in, interlaced picture of a watch. So nanobots can turn anything into anything, or like within reason. Yeah. Why do they need to make judgment calls about what's worth terraforming and what isn't? Because mm. they could terraform the shit bits into good things. Why do they just decide to leave? Turn stuff? paper into trees. Yeah. Well, that's the first time Norman's ever spoken to. Yeah. yeah, I remember that being really weird as well. I was like, oh, that's never happened before. That's really weird. But yeah, he's playing the same character that Hattie played, so he should know. Craigman. Yeah, but I think it's meant to. I, I, I always thought there was meant to be that the male and the female Holly were actually different computers when I was a kid. I used to think they were mm. completely separate things. They weren't the same computer. They were. I remember th- yeah, thinking that. So they've reverted, and it's uh, he's got his memory up to season two, and it stops there. Yeah, and it never. Yeah. But doesn't retain the it case, from, but no I know but yeah that's how I've always seen it and deal with transgender issues is beyond the seven year old oh, versions of ourselves yeah. having a a computer having a sex change is <laughs> quite an odd concept to get your job to be fair to the cat after I dug him out over wearing the same suit for several episodes in a row he's just changed he's what, I think this is his third change of outfit already in this episode oh yeah, yeah. The blue thing and then he goes blue back sparkly. perhaps to the zebra right at the end the perspective is a bit wrong on that shot yeah it looks a bit weird because the the camera isn't pointing directly at the clock face. Mm. Watch face. Don't just leave him there. Look how pixelated. Good stuff hidden. It's, <laughs> it's just. It's just. If you could distill Series 7 into about three episodes. <laughs> yeah. And not worry about it making any sense. So they've made matter smaller than matter. No, I don't understand. <laughs> they've shrunk. They've taken ship. Red Dwarf, they've turned that big Red Dwarf into a big planet, and then they've used a, they've made a tiny Red Dwarf. No, there's a tiny Red Dwarf. 
and then Which... gone exploring in the little tiny red dwarf because yeah. that's fitting that, that fits their size and then they go off. <laughs> so now I want to see the series where we see the tiny red dwarf yes. and what they're up to. From the nano that is that is that is a spin off yeah. in itself. Yeah. It'd be like in Tom and Jerry where you see the the legs. Yeah. <laughs> 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 that yeah. hasn't been airbrushed out of history like all the Tom and Jerry characters. It'll be like <coughs> Muppet Babies. Yeah. Yes. Where you get That's little exactly nanobot. It. You could do it as a cartoon. There's nanobot versions of Lister, Crate, and Cat and Rimmer. <sighs> Somebody please make that into a comic. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Carter. Cy yeah. Bromley. Please. They haven't learned their lessons with having a conversation with a <laughs> display. Apparently not. <laughs> it's interesting that... They speak in therapy. Yeah. The subtitles described them as high-pitched whines and frantic shrieking or whatever it was. And that's also how you can describe Crichton throughout much of Series <laughs> 7. They're very much a part of him. It's like a good joke. <laughs> I'm going to put my finger up your ass, sir. I'm going to put it on Tumblr. Oh, I really wish they'd got this right. It's so close to I being know, right. I know, I know. <laughs> Maybe the other box did it on purpose and misaligned his spine. <laughs> That's good. That's fine. That looks that absolutely. That first shot. Yeah. Lighting's perfect. Look at that. It's good. I like why is this? Uh, uh, is what? Why is this? Surely, <laughs> just just not eat, and then it would all break down again. <laughs> as you want. And he's he's taller. That's better. <laughs> Actually, I've just realised that's why the dwarf, because they've done exactly the same thing to a dwarf and made it bigger. Yeah, unintentionally, like they did him. There's yeah, yeah there's a hand wavy bit of dialogue in back in the red that says it must be part of the molecular process that they make everything massive and then it shrinks back down. Oh, and uh, do you know what? I don't think I've ever spotted that. Yeah, that cat's just uh, got changed into his yeah. leopard print since the previous scene. Good use of the music cue. And that's the f if you have if you're watching this, this was the first time. In fact, yeah. This is the first time I've ever used that cue since season two. Yeah, possibly. In fact, yes, since Queek, because back apparently the never used it. That's quite a gap <laughs> between using those cues. Yeah, I just really wish that season eight didn't try to carry that on. Yeah. <laughs> and just left that as a joke <laughs> and then just did a new thing and never tried <laughs> to fix this, like, tried to, like, well, like Back to the Future 2 tried to fix the problem, they ended up with that end of one. Yeah. They shouldn't just, just go, no, just ignore that. But then we'd have probably been complaining because, like... Well, back to the happened and we didn't complain. No, that's true. Try to <laughs> that but, yeah, back in 97, we didn't realise, A, that we were waiting two years for that to be resolved, but that when it did, it would involve Starbuck flying up a rat's arse. <laughs> <sighs> we didn't have to fly up a rat's arse. The idea of the thing shrinking was kind of cool and everything. The rat arse didn't <laughs> That was an unnecessary part of the <laughs> whole only was they did that. <laughs> But that Hollywood paused to make a quip about it. 
But that's a horror we've <laughs> already Barton covered. Barking on two ladies. <laughs> yeah. so from, um, I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> that was good. I didn't. It was good. Yeah, well, it's an interesting format for Red Dwarf to do a two-parter that's actually within the same series, but that are two distinct stories in itself rather than being part one and part two of the story. But the same as um, uh, Confidence Paranoia and Me Squared did that. Yeah. Essentially. Yeah, set up a situation in one episode and see... Which could have been left as a joke. Yeah. And then ignored, but they Don't they return to the status quo until the end of the next episode. Technically episode. speaking, I would consider that to be more of a... Probably a five-part story, because you could yeah, essentially put an that arc, back end of... Yeah. An arc going from Epidemic All the way through to back end of Epidemic. Possibly all the way through Series 8 as well, because... Yeah. Like, That's whole, it's all connected. Yeah, because the prison setup isn't the status quo of the series. That's true. It's some unseen point between series eight and Back to Earth that story finishes. Yeah. Because the story goes, Lister picks up the Epidemic virus, he gets his arm chopped off, he goes to find the nanobots, they rebuild his arm, also rebuild Red Dwarf, and they the get crew. and the crew. They get thrown <laughs> into prison, they work their way through, something happens with the mirror universe and and death and we, turns up. And we complain that arcs don't happen in Red Dwarf. Yeah. And we realise there's been like a There's been one massive one, one. And most of what's contained within that arc is complete rubbish, so it's probably why Red Dwarf doesn't do arcs very much anymore. But I think that's just because I don't think I mean, it's a Season ten was format. meant to have an arc and it's, it was promising yeah, to like, It nearly kind of did. Yeah. If you yeah. The Trojan thing. The the dot, the joins are there, but they're yeah, such a shame. not very well illuminated. But anyway, that was good. That was certainly that was an hour <laughs> of your life and ours. <laughs> well <laughs> done. Well done. Yes. No refunds. So uh, join us next time, where either me and Danny will tackle something else that's shit and <laughs> and we don't really have much to say about. Yeah. Or there'll be loads of us here saying very little about a better episode. Uh, the choice is ours. <laughs> but until next time, uh, thanks for listening and Ed bye everybody. Ed, Ed bye. Ed bye. Thank you for listening to GNT Dwarfcast and we hope sometime in the future you'll decide to listen to our Dwarfcast again. Have a safe onward journey. Goodbye. Goodbye.